Let us pray. Father, thank you for your promise that you are indeed with us forevermore. You are our great sustaining God. So Lord, even now, draw us closer to you. Take us more deeply into the mystery of who you are as our great God and Redeemer. And then may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> good morning, everyone. Got a good turnout here this morning on this, this brisk morning. My daughter's complaining, Daddy, it's cold outside. I said, honey, it's not cold. It's just a little bit brisk. But no, Daddy, it's freezing outside. <laughs> um, I invite you to take out your Bibles or devices and turn to Matthew chapter 20, our gospel reading this morning. And as you're doing that, I just want to highlight again to you some of the wonderful education opportunities that we have this fall, um, something for our children doing children's church outdoors, weather permitting, and for our youth, but also um, some other things, confirmation prep for those who have not been confirmed or want to be received or reaffirm your faith on Bishop John's visit on November 1st. It's not too late to sign up for that, although the window is drawing to a close. If you have any questions about that, please contact um, Desiree Barker in the church office. We also have a women's listening prayer class Thursday mornings at 10 a.m. about learning how to listen to the voice of God. Beth Moore study, now that faith has come, a study of Galatians online Thursday evenings at 7 p.m. Men's Bible study on Saturday mornings on 1st and 2nd Timothy via Zoom from 8 to 9. And there are other opportunities as well. If you look at the church website, call the church office. We'll be more than happy to give you more information on all of the offerings that we have this fall. Despite COVID, we have a lot of opportunities to gather together and to to learn and to grow. Um, Our coffee half hour after the services has resumed. You can sign up for that on the website as well. Looking at our gospel reading this morning from Matthew chapter 20, we live in a society that in so many ways is obsessed with the idea of what is fair and what is by right ours, is mine, is yours. We also live in a society that places a great emphasis on self-sufficiency. The idea that if we work hard enough, if we do the right things, if we follow the right business models or take the right steps, we can accomplish anything in our human strength we put our heart or our mind to. The school that Tammy taught at up in Maryland had a motto that was pasted all over the walls, believe it, achieve it. We see examples of it on television all the time. Um, I like PBS. Much to my daughter's dismay, I watch a lot of PBS from watching television. Um, And she says, Daddy, that's boring. The only thing she hates more is when I watch (laughs) C-SPAN. But um, especially when PBS is doing fundraising, they will rerun some self-help series um, there's one in particular um, that is called Wishes Fulfilled. I don't know where everyone, anyone's ever seen that. Um, the guy that teaches that has passed away in the past few years. But there's nothing biblical about that. Um, and we need to be careful about what we watch. 
if you, if you look into or listen to any of those things, you realize they're, they're very much rooted in um, human potential and secular ideas. And also, as particularly with the Wishes Fulfilled program, if you do some research, the guy who um, teaches that, Wayne Dyer, his ideas are rooted in Eastern religion, Confucianism, Taoism, Buddhism, and there's nothing about a biblical worldview in those things in terms of that through our own strength and our own self-actualization that we can achieve anything we want to if we put our mind to it. There certainly is value in working hard and striving to do whatever we do with excellence. Excellence for the glory of God, however. Scripture affirms this. Yet personal autonomy is overvalued in our culture. And the idea of absolute self-sufficiency and human potential is actually quite contrary to a Christian worldview that emphasizes the grace and the mercy and the loving kindness of God. I've thought a lot about some of these things during the, the COVID crisis that we're living through. And I think for me and really for all of us, COVID is a poignant reminder of just how much we can't control as human beings. And I think a lot of the anxiety that we see, there are a lot of other things that play in our culture right now, and I'm well aware of that, but related to COVID, in our culture, in the United States, a lot of the anxiety and even the overt, overt anger we see around COVID really has to do with this idea that people think or we've thought that we're self-sufficient and we can control everything and we have a right for everything to go just wonderfully and smoothly and well in life. And COVID has been a poignant reminder that that just isn't the case. And so we have this vague, undirected anger out there related to COVID in the culture. And people are looking for something or someone that they can pin that on. Because the reality is they don't know what to do. We don't know what to do with the fact that we can't control this situation. Both our gospel reading from this morning and our Old Testament reading from Jonah paint a very different picture than one of independence and personal autonomy. Now, I know we just finished a series on Jonah. I'm not going to revisit that a lot. But Jonah, chapter, the end of chapter 3 and chapter 4, was the appointed lectionary reading today because it, it interfaces so well with both the New Testament reading and our gospel reading. So I, I left it even though we just looked at this text two weeks ago. But both our gospel reading and the Old Testament reading from Jonah... Give us a picture that if, and if we look at, of things looked at from the merely human perspective, things just don't seem fair. Why should God spare the Ninevites, a city that was notorious for its wickedness? And in our gospel reading at the parable of Matthew, why should the workers who didn't arrive to the vineyard until late in the day, when most of the work was done, after the heat of the day had passed, why should they receive the same compensation as those who have been laboring since daybreak? It just isn't fair when we look at it from the human lens, from the natural perspective. When we look at both the historical account from Jonah and Jesus' parable in Matthew's gospel, that can easily be our response. That's not fair. And that's true. If we're looking at things from a limited human, this worldly perspective, a perspective based on 
a human frame of reference and on human efforts. But if we can shift our thinking, if we can embrace a God perspective and look at these accounts with a biblical understanding of God's character, of who he is, we will see things quite differently. What does scripture teach us about the heart of God in these kinds of matters? Well, let me just give you a few scriptures outside of today's lectionary for a point of emphasis. Exodus 34, verses 6 through 7. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. Psalm 86, verse 15. But you, the Lord, are kind and merciful. You don't easily get angry, and your love can always be trusted. 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord isn't slow about keeping his promises as some people think he is. In fact, God is patient because he wants everyone to turn from sin and no one to be lost. There are so many things that these scriptures that I just read and the scripture readings from Jonah and Matthew and Philippians today teach us. I want to focus briefly on just two of them this morning. And the first is this, that God is tenacious and persistent. Do you know that God pursues you? That God pursues me? That he is pursuing you and me even at this very moment? Think about this. God doesn't pursue us because he needs us. In the sense of need, God has no need and is dependent on nobody and nothing. He is fully and wholly sufficient within himself, far beyond what we can even comprehend of sufficiency. But God knows just how much we need him. How desperately we need him. To be in a living relationship with him, not just for a moment, but continually to enter into that deep level of fellowship that he has made possible for us with him. God is tenacious and persistent. And the pursuit of us and the pursuit of others clearly resonates in the parable of Matthew chapter 20. The landowner who represents God doesn't go to the marketplace just one time to hire workers for his vineyard. How many times does he go in just one day in the parable? Five times. And what's fascinating this, and a point emphasized as I studied this passage in the commentaries I read, is that the parable never says that the landowner somehow needed the workers. As John Nolan says, in his commentary about this passage, we are pointed in the direction of the needs of the workers rather than the needs of the landowner. He can use them, not he needs them. God keeps pursuing people. In this parable, he pursues those newly arrived to the marketplace. He pursues those who had been there earlier and heard who didn't respond 
And he pursues those who arrived very late in the day when most of the work was done. We and our world are like the workers. God continues pursuing us. God continues pursuing people. Those who heard the gospel at a young age and arrived early in a true living faith through Jesus Christ. Those who have heard time and time again and rejected or ignored the message. God pursues those even in the twilight hours of life who arrive very late in the day. God is persistent because we need him. Because apart from a living relationship with him, there is no salvation. There is no life. There is no eternal life. God is tenacious and persistent. Second, the reward is all about God's grace, not our efforts. In Matthew's parable, all of the workers receive the same reward or the same compensation. In Jonah, God in his mercy spares Nineveh. And maybe you want to cry out or I want to cry out like the laborers who worked all day and received the same wages as those who only worked in the late evening hours. Or we want to cry out like Jonah. That's not fair. But look what the landowner says in Matthew 20 verses 13 through 15. But he replied to one of them, friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give the last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? Do you begrudge my generosity? Do I? Do you begrudge the generosity of God? in the life of someone else. Generosity here is the Greek word agathos, which means good. And this could valid be translated, do you not like it that I am good? We need, brothers and sisters, I need to be very careful to guard my heart to not resent the goodness and the grace and the mercy of God in the lives of someone else, in the lives of those around, around us. Coming back to COVID, I know we've talked about COVID from time to time, but, but this text has helped me in some ways to reframe again, because I've been doing that as a process, as many of you have, my perspectives about COVID to refrain, reframe my thinking about what we're going through in light of other people. COVID is incredibly serious. People have and still are dying from it. And yes, I, like most of you, I suspect, have groused at times about masks and hand sanitizers. But even as I looked at this text, God convicted me. Thank God in his goodness and his mercy, we have access to masks and basically an unlimited access to hand sanitizer and all kinds 
of access to medical care and medical equipment. Despite the challenges of COVID, none of us, I think it's safe to say, sitting here this morning or listening via the live stream, have missed a meal or lost a home or anything else of that magnitude because of COVID. And yet people in other parts of the world, it has devastated them economically. And access to medical care. I remember talking to missionary Allison Barfoot a month or two ago. We talk probably once a month just to keep up with each other and what's going on in, in Uganda. And Allison talking about COVID there saying, you know, we're concerned here in the United States about a shortage of ventilators. And that, that's a very real concern. But as she said in Uganda, there are no ventilators. You're hard pressed to get oxygen if you're hospitalized. Think about India, which is not right now on the cusp of surpassing the United States as the hotspot for COVID. And I don't say this to make us feel guilty, but it, it should reframe my perspective and your perspective. I wonder how many people in India living in poverty would love to have a mask or even a little tiny bottle of hand sanitizer. From the perspective of people in many of those two-thirds world's countries, the excess we have to safeguards and precautions and medical care, they could cry out very easily, that's not fair because it's not equitable. Or I might, let's move beyond COVID and I reframe my ways of thinking in light of Christians around the world. Yes, we have had somewhat limited access to public worship, but how does that compare to Christians who never ever have any right in terms of a legal sense to public worship? We've had to curtail some activities, but in other places, Christians aren't even legally gathered or permitted to come together to worship. How do we compare, even in the midst of COVID, to what underground believers in places like North Korea and Saudi Arabia are facing and dealing with? Where every day, they face the very real threat of dying simply because they're reading the scriptures or have a copy of the scriptures in their possession or pray aloud or try to meet in someone's house for worship. They're suffering and they're dying. And if they look at what's happening here in this country, if they have knowledge of it, it would be very easy for them to cry out, that's not fair. And then ultimately think about this. Jesus Christ, the eternal son of God, came to earth as a man. He took on human flesh and blood he lived a pure, perfect, and sinless life. He died the death of a sinner. A sacrifice, the only sufficient sacrifice for sin. And Jesus, fully God and fully man. God, the eternal son, incarnate in human flesh. How had every right to cry out, that's not fair. And when we look at what Christ did for us, we should cry out, God, that's not fair that he did that for us. Because it's not fair. But God is gracious and tenacious. 
and persistent. And he pursues us to the extent that he even sent his only son, God, the eternal son who left the glories of heaven in pursuit of us. That's just what God did. It's why we can find comfort every Sunday when we come to God in confession and repentance of our sins and absolution. We find comfort in those words that are called the most comfortable words in the Eucharistic rite. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And then as Paul adds, of whom I am the foremost. In 1 John 2, verses 1 through 2. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. Because if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation, the appeasing sacrifice, if you will, for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. when we begin to lay hold of and grasp these eternal truths, we gain, God gives us in his grace and mercy an entirely different perspective. Because this is the fact, brothers and sisters, nothing that I, nothing that you and I together have received from God is fair. It's nothing that we're entitled to. It's all his grace. It's all his mercy. It is all his loving kindness. As reminded in Titus 3, verses 4 through 5, my, my favorite passage in all of Scripture. But when the goodness of loving and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal. Of the Holy Spirit. If we ask God. If we allow God. If we open ourselves to God. To reframe our perspective. I and you. We will be overwhelmed. And we should be overwhelmed. With just how much God loves us. Just how much. Even in the midst of COVID. He has poured his grace and his mercy, his loving kindness out upon us abundantly. And I'm, I'm challenged to think, God, why? Why in your mercy and your grace am I living here in this context rather than in a place like Saudi Arabia or North Korea or China? You name the place. It's all by God's grace and God's mercy. And when we have that perspective, these pretty minimal trials of life, and I, again, I am not making light of what some people have gone through with COVID, but for us, what are pretty minimal trials of life, more of an inconvenience, God will reframe those and reshape those. As we understand how much he's poured his grace and his mercy into us. As we understand how he tenaciously pursues us. And that all that we are in Christ. 
and all that we have. It's all by grace. It's all by mercy. It's all by the gracious goodness of our loving God. Let us pray. Father, forgive me for those times when I have taken for granted your grace, your mercy. Lord, the the incredible provision and blessing you've poured out in my life, in the life of this church, in this nation. God, forgive me for when I've allowed that to become self-centered and I've whined and complained. And God, I've lost sight of the incredible grace and mercy that you've extended to us, to me. God, thank you. Thank you for all the tangible blessings of this life, but God, thank you most of all that you sent your son, that you pursued me and you pursued us to that extent that your son became incarnate in human flesh to do for us what we could never do for ourselves out of your loving kindness, out of your grace, out of your mercy. And Lord, fill our hearts even in this season where the things of this world that we would cling to maybe are not tethered quite so tight as they seem to be just even 10 months or a year ago. Lord, help us to cling to you because you are our all-sufficient one. Knowing that your grace and your mercy is sufficient in every day. And Lord, our hope and our trust is in you and your loving kindness alone. For we have no other but you. And Lord, even if all in this world would somehow be stripped away, we still have our all and all in you and you alone. Lord, impress upon our hearts deeply in this season that truth. And Lord, take from me, take from us any self-centeredness, any sense of self-sufficiency, any pride of the flesh. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.